Thank you for listening to this new episode of the podcast by The Still Water. Our aim is to encourage your search and your understanding of the God of heaven. Thank you for listening. Have you ever asked the question, how long? The 33 men trapped underground asked that very question. How long would it take until their air ran out? How long would it take before someone knew they were alive? How long would it take before an escape could be found? In a story that was headlines all over the world, 33 men were trapped in a collapsed mine in Chile waiting for rescue. Rescue came. The world watched as each man was pulled to the surface through a shaft, only twice the width of a basketball. It had taken more than two months to tunnel down through almost half a mile of rock to pull them to safety. We have all asked the how long question. How long until the cold winter ends? How long until I am well again? How long until the baby is born? How long until I can be promoted? Some of the how long questions anticipate good things, but not all of them. Almost every person that has faced a diagnosis of cancer has asked the question, how long do I have? But all of the how long questions are very personal. It is a question that reflects our personal situation, our specific hopes and dreams, our individual needs and our personal concerns and fears. But who has the answers to these questions? We have a pretty good idea about how long it takes for a baby to arrive, but just ask an expected mother who is in her last month. She wants to know. The person most in the know, the doctor, usually can only give a rough guess. It does not matter, or at least it doesn't matter to the anxious mother, what the average or usual gestation period is for a baby. She wants to know about her and about her child. It is very personal. We all need, at some moment in our lives, to ask the how long question. But where can we go for the answer? The doctors and surgeons? They don't know. The lawyers and bankers? Don't know. The teachers, politicians, judges, they don't know. They all have questions of their own. What about the king? Well, let me tell you about one king. King David of Israel lived about 3,000 years ago. There are some things that are unique about the life, reign, and record of King David. There is more information about and from David than any other person in the Bible save Jesus himself. He is one of the few people that is described in the Bible physically. He is described as beautiful and having beautiful eyes. But beyond that, who was he? Some see the young and handsome shepherd boy tending his flock in a green meadow, writing down poetry under a tree. Some see a brave young man facing the huge warrior and seasoned killer in Goliath. But most of his life was spent in other pursuits. He was a father and husband, but his home life brought him some of his worst heartache. He was a friend, but friendship also came with heartbreak when Jonathan was killed in battle. David was a war leader and fighter. He led a group of fierce soldiers, but was just as fierce himself. He was also a king. It was a reign with many problems and conflicts, some of them self-inflicted, 
but some also caused by disloyalty from inside and enemies from outside. Because we have so much information, we are able to examine many facets of his life and struggles. Many of them are similar to our issues of family, work tension, personal hostilities, and even moral challenges. It can be hard associating the man that wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, with a powerful king at the head of an army. Picture him holding in his calloused hands a sword nicked up from battle, exhausted and filthy, fatigued in both body and spirit. He is tired, hungry, maybe even near death. This is not the idealized version of David, but the real King David, the ruler, the father, the husband, the warrior, the man. It is the exhausted and hurt David that appears in Psalm 13, and it is here he asks the question, how long for all of us, and then teaches us an important skill, how to pray. It is in the Psalms that I am given a great blessing by King David. I'm given the very personal insight of listening in on David's prayers to God. And it is not just here in Psalm 13, but many of the Psalms are of a very intimate nature. Some are about failure and asking for forgiveness. Others are confident statements of trust and devotion to God. But some, like Psalm 13, are a plea for help and comfort. There are three ideas to keep in mind when looking at the words of David in the Psalms. If we lose sight of these, we will miss the real value of what we have in these recorded songs and poems. The first idea is to remember that David was described as a man after God's own heart. To put this in more modern terms, he had a heart like God's. That statement by itself is startling, but it is made even more remarkable by remembering that I have this intimate window into David's heart, his words, his feelings, and attitudes by reading the Psalms. I am exposed to someone remarkable, not just for what they accomplished, but for who they were on the inside. We have a mentor in David that is holding nothing back or trying to give us just a good impression. The second idea is to keep in mind that David's very private words were publicly sung. David poured out who he was, good and bad, in a very public way so that we could learn what it means to have a relationship with God. David models for us how to approach God with a similar attitude and honesty and devotion. David says, learn from me, mistakes and all, good and bad, to have a heart like God's. The third idea I need to remember is that David also was a vocalizer for God. When I read the Psalms, it is the intimate portrait of David that his God wants me to see and know. So Psalm 13 begins, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul? and have sorrow in my heart all the day. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? The first thing David asks is the how long question, and it is full of emotion, fear, uncertainty, anxiety, and hurt. 
four times he repeats the plea, how long? We don't know the moment that this psalm was written or the situation that David was in at that moment that he offers this prayer. He mentions later that he may be near death. But what is clear is that David cries out to God. He is not asking for the day and time of his rescue, but voicing his hurt. David then makes his request. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. This is a request for attention and understanding. The first part could literally be translated, Look at me. David needs God to see his situation and to hear his request. The second expression says, Light up my eyes. He is asking God to help him deal with the situation through knowledge and wisdom and to help him live through it. So often modern prayers are simply a laundry list of demands. God help me with this illness. God help me get a job. God help my marriage. Non-believers sometimes mock the idea of prayer. Bill Maher has called it talking to the invisible man. There is no understanding of why God would hear or respond to a prayer. So it becomes empty words expressing empty desires while the genuine need for help, comfort, and direction goes unanswered. Also, there is often an expectation of an immediate answer for prayer. If the solution to our crisis does not drop out of the sky, at that very moment, we're disappointed and discouraged. But what if there was someone who had a very special connection and understanding of the God of heaven, and that person shared with us how to pray and make requests to God? That is exactly what I have in Psalm 13. I can learn from David how to properly bring a worry and request to God. What we ask of God, the requests we make in prayer, have a context. We have emotions and we have fears and we have anxieties. What we learn here is that God wants to hear about them. We bring to mind how powerless and broken we are and how much we need God's love and compassion. Instead of just a simple, sterile prayer, we model the idea of David, no matter how tired, no matter how weary in spirit, abasing himself before God and saying, look at me, this is who I am, and I desperately, desperately need you. It is at this point after the request that modern prayers often just end, but that is not where David ends. He continues, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. David speaks of love and salvation. What has happened between the beginning of the psalm and now? Has the situation been resolved? No. There has barely been time to take one or two breaths but he acts and speaks like it is already resolved. He trusts God to hear and respond to his need. But then David goes a step further. He offers worship, praise, and thanks, and speaking of the help, the help that has yet to arrive. But David does not see it that way. 
He not only acts as if the prayer has been answered, but celebrates the answer God has given or will give him. How can he do that? Part of the answer is that David has had this relationship with God for a long time. He has no problem looking back and seeing how many times he desperately needed help, and he took his fears and needs to God in prayer. In hindsight, he remembers the help, the comfort, the solution, and the direction God gave him as an answer. He remembers the giant dead at his feet. He remembers God's forgiveness and the comfort it brought him. He remembers problems that seemed impossible to resolve, problems that were brought to a conclusion. He can turn in confidence, even in the middle of this crisis, and knows God's help is with him because it has been there time after time. So let's paint the whole picture. David is the great fighter and king, but the current situation is desperate. His situation has gone from bad to worse, and David is at the end of his physical and emotional strength. But as desperate as the situation is, he knows God will never forget him. He pours out his fear to God, pleading with him to answer how long must this situation continue. He voices his request for clarity and understanding to help him continue the struggle. In his next breath, he says thank you to God for his answer, even though it's not yet evident. He then moves beyond the thank you to expressing praise for who God is. Now let's think about how we can pray. We find ourselves in need. We need comfort, help, wisdom, patience, or peace. Instead of the cold and personal prayers of the past, we bring all of our being to God. How do we feel? We can tell him. How did I get here? With ruthless honesty, we can approach God with our hearts wide open and share with him who we really are and what we really feel. Hold nothing back of your pain or shame. Then, when all of that is out in the open, we make our request. Sometimes, when we have been so honest and open, the nature of the request itself changes. We can begin the prayer with one solution in mind, but find in our expression of need a different solution, a better solution. It may be a solution that applies to the person and not the situation or environment. But what we have learned from looking back, that God has provided us with help and comfort before, and we can express our confidence in the power and mercy of God to see us through today's crisis or fear. Then we abase ourselves in gratitude and in worship of the God of power and promise. We will listen in on other prayers by David in other podcasts. But know this, there is no doubt whatsoever that sometime in the future, we will need to ask a question like, how long? We now know that we can go to God with that question and how to ask. In fact, we can apply this to any moment of need we have, physical or emotional. Open up to God. Make your request. Offer gratitude for the blessings of God in the past, present, and future. And then praise God for who he truly is, the God of power and promise.
If you were trapped half a mile underground, how would you pray? Thank you for listening to this episode of By the Still Water. It is our desire that these messages reflect the true Word of God. If you would like to reach us, you can reach us by email at bythestillwater2024 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at By the Still Water Podcast. Please consider subscribing. This will alert you to new episodes when they are made available. Again, thank you for listening.